Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Mark, and if I didn't get a chance to greet you or meet you this morning, I'm sorry. I hope I get to see you later. Thank you so much for joining us this morning for worship on Easter Sunday. Isn't it a beautiful day? We like those warm days when you can wear something lighter, but God knows what's best for us, and to see the flowers poking out through the snow I think is absolutely beautiful. So, If you're watching with us online, wave to me right now. It's good to see you. I can't see you, but if you want to connect with us and let us know that you're watching, um, just let us know who you are and where you are, and please don't say I'm watching on my phone or I'm watching on my TV. Tell me physically where you're located. Sometimes we have people watching from different states. Sometimes we have folks uh, check in from other countries. So we're glad you're able to worship with us from a distance this morning too. We'd love to connect with you. I want to say a special thank you to Julie Szeski and for her amazing team of bakers, chefs, and servants. So thank you again for the delicious breakfast. Those of you that came late and missed that, you have to wait 365 days because we're going to have another Easter breakfast then, and we'll probably have lots of other fellowships between now and then, but uh, we had a great breakfast today, and I appreciate all of you. Thank you. Today, even more than other days, we can be filled with renewed hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is risen. risen Have you ever thought about that very first Resurrection Sunday, before Easter became known as a celebration of new life, it was a time of mourning. Jesus died. His disciples, his mother, his family, those that knew him, loved him, had followed him so closely, were in mourning because they watched their friend. They watched, Mary watched her own son be brutally beaten, was nailed to a cross, bled, and died. And they took his body down from the cross, and they carried it to a tomb, and a stone was rolled in front of it. This was final. This was the end. Their hopes, their dreams of this kingdom that Jesus had been preaching about, all dashed as they saw him die. The Roman cross was a symbol to the society of that day. As men hung dying, it was a symbol to say to the community, to everyone around, don't do what these men did. Don't follow their example. The disciples had placed all their hopes, all their dreams in this coming kingdom. And as Jesus' body His lifeless body was brought down and laid in a tomb. The finality of it sunk in. The disciples scattered. This dream they had of Christ ruling and reigning in this amazing kingdom. The promises that he would free them from sin were all gone. Unrealized hope. Hope that's been ended Hope that's been finished is one of the most difficult things that we might go through in life. Sometimes that disappointment comes from things that might seem insignificant to other people, but they were significant to you. 
Other times, it's something life-changing. Let's take a look at what disappointment looks like in some of its many forms. How disappointing is that? Or that? Thinking all day about the last cookie, the last piece of pie that's waiting for you. It gets heavier as our dreams and hopes for another season are dashed. Everything laid out on the field, nothing left to give. Students over the last couple of years have felt hopeless as they weren't able to connect with each other, as they weren't able to be together in school, missing out on all kinds of things they had looked forward to, proms and celebrations and concerts and plays. And then our brothers and sisters today in Ukraine, leaving their homes, some of them leaving behind husbands and fathers, not knowing if they'll ever see them again. And the very finality of disappointment, losing a loved one. Over this past year or two, most of us have been touched by some kind of disappointment. You may have lost a loved one. You may have lost opportunities to be with people. You may have been disconnected. You may have lost your job. All of these things, all of these hopes and dreams you had seemingly destroyed. Perhaps you can relate to how those followers of Jesus felt on that first Easter morning. After three days of sorrow, they desperately needed a resurrected hope, but they didn't know it was coming. Even though Jesus had talked about it, they forgot and their hopes were crushed. And if we're honest this morning, today some of you came in needing renewed hope as well. Life for just about everybody across the whole globe has not been what we expected. Maybe some of those relationships that you looked forward to just didn't happen. Or loved ones leaving you in death. A diagnosis for yourself or for someone else and not knowing what that outcome is going to be like. And as the pandemic is further on the edges of our thoughts and memories, we're still wondering, is it going to come back? Are we going to have to face those fears again? Wondering if God really cares about us. If he's still doing something, has God abandoned us? Or is he still have a plan, not only for your life individually, but for this world that he created. The Gospels tell us that right in the middle of the disciples' darkest hour came the light of hope. Hope appears when we least expect it. Early in the morning, on the third day after Jesus' death, a woman named Mary Magdalene made her way to the tomb. Mark and Luke's Gospels tell us that she came with others, to anoint his body for burial. He had already been laid in the tomb, but they came with spices and ointments and things that they wanted to help preserve his body. Sarah read that passage for us this morning, and you can turn there. We're going to follow along in John chapter 20. I'll have it up on the screen so you can look there, but if you want to follow along in your Bible, you can turn there as well. Mary comes with the others prepared to take care of the body of Jesus, 
expecting his dead body to be there. And when she arrived, she found the tomb empty. But like adding insult to injury, Mary concludes that someone must have taken away the body. Not only did they kill him, but now they've taken his body, and who knows where it is. Her hope is dashed. John chapter 20, I'm going to read verses 11 down to 14. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. So what had just happened was Mary and the others came looking for Jesus. They found an empty tomb. They went running back to find the disciples, Peter and the other disciple. John doesn't want to name himself in this passage because this is his gospel. The other disciple and Peter run to the tomb to see that it's empty, just as the ladies had said. And I love John's detail that the other disciple outran Peter, boisterous Peter, bragging Peter, hey, I beat him in this foot race. I got to the tomb first. And they look in and they see nothing. And the passage says they didn't understand the scriptures that he must rise from the dead. So they went back to their homes. They were still hopeless, even after seeing the empty tomb. We rejoice at that today. But imagine them finding it first of all and thinking, now we don't even have a body. We don't even have a grave that we can visit and think about our lost friend, the lost son, the lost Messiah. Mary stood weeping, and as she stooped to look into the tomb, she then saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. Mary looked into the tomb just as she had done before, running and telling the disciples and running back again. And she's still looking in and all she sees is an empty tomb. All, can, all she can see is what's missing. She fails to see what is there. So she's focused on the fact that there's no body laying there as she expected. She misses the two angelic beings, one at the head and one at the foot of where Jesus had been laying. Were they there the first time she came in? Possibly. All she could see was the empty tomb. And the angels ask why she's weeping. And through her tears, we hear her heartbroken answer. Because not only is Jesus dead, but now someone has stolen his body. And I don't know where it is. This is what can happen to us when we lose hope. When our dreams are shattered. When our future becomes unclear. It becomes so easy for us to fixate on what has not happened, what we don't have, what others may have failed to do, what's missing. That's when we feel hopeless, noticing the things that haven't happened the way we thought they would. And we can totally miss something amazing that God is doing. Mary speaks to the angels, and as she turns to leave, 
She comes face to face with the resurrected Christ. But in verse 14, it says she didn't realize it was Jesus. She had spent at least a year following him. She must have known his face. And yet, again, because of her hopelessness, this fog of unbelief, this fog of despair makes her not even recognize Jesus. Resurrection hope was standing right in front of her, and she couldn't see it. After all, Mary had come expecting to anoint the dead body of Jesus. She didn't expect to find him risen. Hope comes when we least expect it. How many of you came this morning hoping to find an Easter egg? Anybody? At least one. You're hopeful. That's good. How many of you didn't hope to find anything? How many of you took part in some kind of an Easter egg hunt this year? Some of you did, I know. Our family, uh, my wife and I, are the youngest, so we watched our nieces and nephews do this for years before our own kids were big enough to toddle out into the grass or the snow and look for Easter eggs. So we have had years and years of Easter egg experience. And our older boys were so excited when they were teenagers and they said, you know what, we'd like to help hide the eggs too. And so they would hide them in unreachable places or unfindable places. I wouldn't find those eggs until maybe July or August as I'm mowing along and I see something shoot out the side. Or occasionally I would pick one up and and I would hope maybe this candy is still good. It's only been a couple of months and I'd unwrap it and Usually it wasn't. If you reach down under your pew, some of you might be surprised to find something. Only if you're hopeful enough to do it. Jesus was the hope that was unexpected. You don't believe me, but there are, there are things out there if you reach under your pew. Easter is a reminder that God is still in the business of awakening hope. God is in the business of awakening hope. He does this in many ways that can be subtle and they can be missed if we're not careful. Maybe hope would come through a simple conversation with a friend, sharing something that God has been doing in her life. Maybe hope is sparked by the smallest of prayers that God answered in an amazing way that you didn't even expect. The bill was paid. The doctors were wrong. These little things that God does. Maybe it's a text or an actual letter or a card in the mail. Remember that? And you get this good news that you weren't expecting and hope rises in your heart. Maybe it's noticing God's creation at the beautiful sunsets, and we have beautiful sunsets here in western New York, or the sincere smile of a child. Hope can be found in taking time to be grateful for the things that we do have instead of focusing on the things that we think should be there. The way we thought things were going to go, we can fall into despair when hope is right there in front of us, just right like the risen Savior. The key is our expectation level. Just like children searching for eggs, we should be looking for God's subtle signs of hope. 
all around us. And we should be looking for them every day. That's one of the reasons that we gather together as a church, brothers and sisters in Christ, so that we can remember what Jesus did on the cross for us. We can see him at work in other people's lives. Even if we had a terrible week and we think everything is hopeless, we can hear the good news of God doing something. He's still at work. He's still saving people. He's still changing lives. Hope appears when we least expect it. And of course, Easter came at just the right time. It was Jesus' compassion for those that he loved that caused him to sacrificially give up his own life. It was his compassion that led him to rise from the grave and resurrect the dead as well. As he meets Mary in the doorway of the tomb, immediate concern is the, are the tears that are streaming down Mary's face. Why are you crying, Mary? He doesn't chastise her for her lack of faith. He doesn't say, how could you doubt me after all of this time? He says, why are you crying? What's wrong? Listen to how this passage continues. Verse 15. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping and whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but I go to my brothers. But please go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. Jesus brought Mary hope. First of all, identifying the hurts and the pains that she was facing. Why are you crying? John tells us that Mary thinks that he's just a gardener. Again, there he is standing in front of her and she doesn't recognize him because she can't believe this could possibly be Jesus. He must be the gardener. Jesus, in one way, was a gardener. He was there in that garden tomb, and he was tending to the broken world that had been broken by sin. God created the Garden of Eden for the first man and the first woman to enjoy, and he made everything beautiful, everything perfect there. The Bible tells us from the very beginning that God created this perfect for people to enjoy and for people to have a relationship with God, for them to know God and to be known by God, to experience life to the fullest. But if you've read Genesis, if you've even just read a child's Bible story book, you know that that first man and woman, Adam and Eve, chose their own way. God gave them everything to enjoy and said, this tree is dangerous. Don't go near it. Don't even touch it. And they listened to the lies of Satan. And they believed that it was going to make them smart. It was going to make them wise. It was going to make them like God. And so they ate. And that was the first sin. It broke their relationship with God. 
and they were no longer in peace with him. Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 and 10. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man said, man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. The man and the woman knew immediately that they had sinned. They knew that they had broken this relationship with God, and they didn't even want to come face to face with him. The God who loved them, who had this relationship with them, they hid themselves because they were ashamed. But God didn't leave them hiding. He sought after them and said, why are you hiding and what's wrong? God went searching for them. They were naked, they were afraid, and so they hid. The story of Easter brings us back to a garden where God re-enters searching for those that he loves, searching for those who are lost, those who are without hope. Adam and Eve thought it was all over. We just ruined this perfect garden. We ruined this great life we had. All hope is lost. But as God told them in the garden, there will come a Messiah. He will save you. He will redeem you. He will save you from your sins. And so Jesus appears in the garden, fixing things, telling Mary, hope is not lost. You can have a relationship with me. You can know me again. I've risen from the dead. I've conquered death and sin no longer will have reign. As soon as he speaks, he calls Mary's name. Do you know Jesus knows your name? Has he spoken his, your name to you? Has he called you and said, will you be my son or daughter? That's his invitation to you, not only today on Easter, but every day. Have you trusted him as Savior? She recognizes him immediately and says, Rabboni, which means teacher. And in the middle of her darkest moment, Easter's hope came just at the right time. Easter comes for us at just the right time after a harsh winter here in western New York. Spring comes with Easter. Yes, I still celebrate the first snow, even getting the shovels out, getting the snowblower fired up and ready to go, and I still, like a little kid, get excited when the snowflakes fall, and after shoveling and snow blowing for a while, I'm still excited about the snow. I'm sorry, I'm that person. But after weeks and months of cold, by the time March rolls around, by the time April comes, and you're like, snow again, really? We're, we're pr pretty ready for spring. I am. I hope you are too. Trees without leaves, the ground covered, just brown and lifeless, kind of takes the hope out of things. But as things warm up, we see life coming back. We see lawns coming back as green grass again. We see flowers poking their heads up, and I think flowers in the snow are just beautiful. 
I had to stop and take a picture of our little sign out front with the daffodils poking out in the snow this morning because it's pretty to see life coming from what was lifeless. We grow so accustomed to the world without life that we're almost shocked when we see those first signs of life. The trees have buds again, and life comes to a barren land. Even with snow this morning, well, now it's already gone on the sunny side of the street. How many of you have more than a covering of snow? You have like a couple inches. Some of you are in the deeper snow country than I am, but it'll be gone some very soon. The great reformer Martin Luther said, Our Lord has written the promise of resurrection, not in books alone, but in every leaf of springtime. Our Lord has written the promise of resurrection, not in books alone, but in every leaf of springtime. The continual changes of season remind us that God brings life from death, and He can bring life in even the most hopeless of places. God is always right on time. And we can feel the shift in the story as Mary recognizes that Jesus is alive. Her hope is resurrected, and she comes back to life. The dream of restoration and healing is once again a possibility. I wonder what would happen if today you were able to look around you and see Jesus at work in the places maybe where you've been missing him, in the places in your life where you're thinking, why isn't God answering this prayer the way I want? Why isn't he doing this thing here and this thing there? And we're looking for what we want instead of looking for what God is doing. Easter is a time when we see him face to face. We sing about him. We celebrated his death Friday night, thought about the agony of the cross, the weight of our sins. And then this morning with joyful celebration, we sing and we play amusing, amazing instruments. Not amusing, but amazing. Thank you for playing for us this morning. Just hearing those brass instruments ringing out was so beautiful. We know that there's hope again because Jesus is alive. And finally, the resurrection is victory over death. What Mary discovered early that morning at the tomb was that the thing that she believed was final was not actually the end. It was the beginning. Jesus had told them, I have to go suffer and die. But in three days, I'll be back. He had told them this over and over again. And yet it just never sunk in. Maybe they thought he was afraid of the soldiers. Maybe they thought he was afraid of the religious leaders and he's just thinking maybe he's going to die. But he told them this was going to happen. The ultimate outcome of the cross was not death because death could not overcome Jesus Christ. Physically, he was 100% man and that body died, but... He was 100% God, and he rose up that body back to new life. Death didn't have the last word. Jesus did. And the powerful revelation that comes with this truth is that if Jesus could overcome death, then there's nothing in your life that he can't defeat and overcome when you trust him as your redeemer, when you trust him as your savior. We're no longer slaves to sin. Our addictions can be broken. 
our messed up families can be restored. Families that have struggled for generations can be healed and restored. Even people from different backgrounds can find unity in Jesus Christ. Earlier in the book of John, Jesus had made this bold claim. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus told his followers then, and he tells you today, he is the resurrection. He is the life, the hope of life eternal, and the key to hope in your life right now. It's not just an intellectual knowledge. Some people say, I've always believed this story about Jesus. I've always believed in God. I've known these stories since I was a little boy, since I was a little girl. But have you ever trusted in Jesus alone as your Savior? Have you given up on your own abilities to be good enough, to do enough right things, hoping that maybe God would let you into heaven at the end of your life? Jesus didn't want us to go through life with that. He wanted us to go through life with the assurance that you've been adopted as his son, as his daughter. The assurance that you have eternal life, and it begins with trusting Jesus as your Savior. Followers of Jesus no longer need to fear death. So if you or a loved one are sick, you know where your final destination is. If the pandemic comes back and you're worried about getting sick, you know where you're going to spend eternity. In heaven with God. That takes away the fear and the sting of death. Because we know death is not final. It's not the end of the story. It's just the beginning of eternity with God. Our lives have purpose. They have meaning in Jesus Christ. Not only knowing about that home in eternity, but purpose right now. A life that glorifies God is something that you can experience. So this Easter Sunday, if you've been here for 50 Sundays, if you've, this is your very first Sunday, I invite you to believe in the resurrected Christ. I invite you to admit that you need his forgiveness, that you stand before God as a sinner, and that you need to know him and know his forgiveness, that you allow him to create new life in you, Jesus' life, death, and his resurrection are not, the only, not only documented in the Gospels and the letters that are written to the early church, that's what we call our Bible, but other historical writings, Josephus and others, talked about Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified and then risen. Eyewitnesses, hundreds of them, the disciples who gave up their own lives to tell other people the good news, proved that Jesus really did die and come back to life. So this isn't an exercise where I say, just believe, just hope, like the tooth fairy is going to show up. This is hope and belief in a real person, in God reaching down across space to reveal himself to his creation. God restoring all that was wrong and making it right here on earth. 
the arrival of God's Son, Jesus changed history. Our calendars changed. Schools were created. Hospitals were created. People looked for opportunities to share that love, that mercy, that compassion, all because of Jesus Christ. Our world changed. And yet people today think that it's just a myth. Did you know there's more written about Jesus Christ than there is about George Washington? How many of you doubt that George Washington was the first president of the United States? Anybody? Anybody met him face to face? Anybody know somebody that knew him? Yet we believe it, right? Because it's in a history book. Someone wrote down, this is what happened. This is what he said. This is who he was, where he was born, and where he died. There are thousands of ancient documents telling us about Jesus of Nazareth who lived, where he was born, where he died, where he was laid in a tomb, and the fact that that tomb is empty. I'm not asking you to stop being a rational thinking person and just believe in something that you can't see. You can see God at work in creation. You can see God at work in the lives of the people around you. Those are all evidences. So God asks you, to confess your sins, to ask Jesus to be your savior, to give your life to him and say, God, do whatever you want with me. I want to honor and glorify you with my life. You're the promised Messiah, the redeemer, the savior. If you're watching with us online this morning, you can connect with me through the church website or through email. I'd love to talk to you more. And if you're here physically today and you want to stop and talk in the lobby afterwards, I'd like for you to know for sure that when you end this world, when your life ends, that you're going to spend eternity with God in heaven instead of the judgment that's awaiting for all who deny Jesus as Savior. The Bible tells us, and Jesus spoke a lot about hell because he didn't want anyone to go there. It was created for Satan and the demons. It's a place of torment. It's a place of darkness. It's a place separated from everything good. And God doesn't want anyone to go there. He invites everyone to know his son as Savior. So come talk to me today if you've never done that. Just a couple of take-home thoughts before we go. Knowing Jesus as Savior brings hope not only for today, but for eternity. Finding hope in life's hardest moments because God has a purpose for what you're going through. Jesus promised to never leave you. There's hope knowing that you're never alone, even when things are their most difficult, even when your friends, just like Jesus, have left you alone. Jesus, your Savior, is still there with you. There's a promise that Jesus would forgive all of your sins. Not only your past sins, but your future sins. He said, come to me, confess your sins, and I will cleanse you and make you white as snow. That's his promise, is that he will keep forgiving you. He's not going to give up on you. Jesus said that nothing that we face is more than we can handle with him. You can probably think of two or three or more things that you're just saying, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know if I can make it another day with this. With Jesus Christ, you can. 
He gives you mercies that are new every morning. And he promises to be with you through your hardest struggles. He also tells us that those struggles, those hard times, are not in judgment, but they're for you to grow stronger in your faith, for you to hang on to him and trust him even more, and to show other people what a life following God looks like, even when times are hard. Our hope is in Jesus, and it's not because of anything that we have done. It's because he did it all for us. He died on the cross in my place. He died on the cross in your place. But he didn't stay there. He rose from the grave and he said, it is finished, meaning that salvation is complete. There's nothing that you need to do to keep working to try and appease God or make him happy with you. You are ready. The work is all done. It's all been done by him. He just asks you to believe. Hope is found in Jesus Christ. And that hope rose from the dead. That hope is Jesus Christ and him alone. Mark's going to come. We're going to close in a final song. And you're welcome to visit with us after the service. You're welcome to take pictures in front of anything that you think looks pretty, flowers or whatever. Take some family Easter photos while you're here. And if you want to talk to me about knowing the Savior, you're welcome to do that out in the lobby. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for the hope that we find in Easter. The story of Jesus' resurrected life renews our spirits and invites us to believe in his resurrection power. We want to see that fullness and that trust and that grace in everyone. We want to give you the dead places in our lives, the the places where we're still hopeless, thinking that nothing can be done. Lord, we know that you can bring beauty from ashes, that you can take what we think is an unbelievable situation that has no possible solution, and you can do amazing things. Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to look for hope in the life around us. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit within you, you may abound in hope. In the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.